0: In this episode, we wait out there with Steve Poppin from Western New York. Steve turned to fly fishing during a difficult time in his life and found peace, challenge, and spiritual healing. It wasn't long until he was incorporating his love of fly fishing into his work as a teacher and counselor. With encouragement from friends and family, Steve became a part-time guide in the Finger Lakes tributaries and storied trout streams of Western New York. His guide service is called Trouted Out. This is the second time Steve and I have talked on the podcast and we go deep into fly fishing philosophy and tactics. We discuss the similarities between the seasons of life and fly fishing, techniques for swinging flies, and the tactics Steve employs to fight some of the monster fish he connects with on his home waters. Welcome to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Shemchuk. At Wait Out There, we believe fly fishing is special, but not elite, and that anyone can become a great fly fisher if they are willing to go, learn, and teach. Join me as I talk with other fly fishermen and women about their unique journeys into fly fishing, the rivers they fish, and the tactics and philosophies they practice. For those who can never leave the river in their hearts, this podcast is dedicated to helping you make the memories that keep us all coming back to Wait Out There. Welcome, Steve. Thanks for being on the Wait Out There podcast again.
1: Thanks, Jason. Great to be with
0: you. I'm really excited to talk to you, man. Uh, I I mean, the last time we talked on the show was over two years ago, man.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: (laughs) You're episode four, I think. (laughs) Way back.
1: Yeah, you've had a lot of great episodes since then.
0: Oh thanks Excellent. yeah well, you're one of my yeah you're one of my favorites i and <laughs> I love keeping up with what you're doing and fly fishing and things and so it was um, I made this pact with myself that I wasn't gonna have repeat guests for like i remember that for like a hundred <laughs> episodes and then it became longer and stuff and I think I don't know I don't know why i just i felt like that was in the beginning that was one of the hardest things to do was to find people that would they wanted to talk. And cause I oh, had yeah. it's like, what's up? I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm just starting and fly fishing or not starting in fly fishing, but just started the the podcast. And I had the blog for a while, but, and so I've just always been super grateful to you and folks like you that were so gracious in the beginning to not just be on the show, but be so excited about it and be so forthcoming and, you know, share your stories and share your knowledge and all the stuff that that you did uh, early on was really appreciated man like truly truly appreciated so i gotta say thank you to start out
1: awesome man i love it it's uh it's just wonderful you know to make friends along the way and um you know we're always growing we're always learning and and um you know i i i'm excited just to actually you know just have a conversation today because i know um I've grown a lot, you know, just in two years and, yeah. um, some of the methods and the technical tactical and just philosophy stuff. I know it's, 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 it was challenged and changing and, yeah. um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it as
0: well. And honestly, Steve, that's one of the things that I'm excited to talk to you about today is not just some of the changes that you've had in your life with learning about fly fishing and things, but some of the things that have um, progressed in your other professional endeavors, you know, working with youth and things like that, because that was something that when we talked about on the last show, you know, Hey, this is something I'm excited about. I'm I'm going to start doing more of this. And so I, we we're going to get into those types of things as well. But, um, you awesome. know, I, I think something that I, I has always kind of connected me to you is this conversation we had, I don't know how meaningful it was for you, but for me, it made a big impact when we talked about seasons and you talked about when you got started in fly fishing and you're in a season of your life. And it kind of mentioned it several times throughout the conversation and it really has stuck with me. And I've really thought about that over the last two years. Cause I've had, you know, my daughter was born a couple of months after we talked and yeah. we moved from Missouri to Utah and yeah. a lot of kind of, changes and seasons in our lives kind of moved on and left one for another and those types of things. And I've even had people ask me about it and I've, I've referenced you like, Hey, (laughs) this guy, Steve, you know, like you really think about it in these, in these terms of seasons. So for folks that don't know, can you talk a little bit about that season of your life and how it transformed into this fly fishing journey for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I know that, um, with the onset of fly fishing, you know, I was going through one of those seasons where it was just difficult. You know, I was in a spot of um, just a lot of discouragement. And, um, and so, you know, when I began spending time on the water, um, it was just a place where um, I was just, you know, getting solitude, uh, opportunity to reflect and think and um and you know it's like um sometimes you don't know you know what you're going through when you're going through it and um and just like you know there's a lot of great parallels like there's times when i'm on the water and uh i try new things and it doesn't seem to amount to anything you know it's just like you know getting skunked and um And, but you, you keep trying, you keep plugging away, you persevere. And, um, and then those things, you know, it just, it, uh, there's a point in that perseverance where it, it, you know, you start to realize, okay, I'm making some missteps, um, or I'm doing the right thing. And, um, and then you see the fruit of it, you know, you see the success behind it. You know, for me, it was, uh i was I was working through just a, a series of just um disappointments um, I was in a spot where you know I wanted to quit in a, in uh in, in a handful of different areas of my life and um and so um when I was on the water though that's where uh that's where I just started to get perspective and um and kind of rejuvenated and from there um it was uh you know just realizing that you know just like um every season the water you know uh there's always there's always like like you know the fall, you know the fall bite can be phenomenal and but then there's always this like couple week window where it's it's hard and then and then it transitions and then the winter bite it's different and just kind of working through that, you just uh, you don't really know what, 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 what to think of it. And, but you just hang in there, keep trying different things, and, and then you kind of figure it out. And then you see the fruit of it. And same thing, you kind of go through. And then the spring, there's always just a little, just a weird kind of transition.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and so, you know, it was really in a, in a, in a spot where uh, uh, I just started to see all these different transitions in my life. And, uh, and I saw these great parallels on the water and, uh, and it kind of seemed like I just needed to muscle through it, you know, <laughs> just, just keep pressing on, keep trying some different things. Or even if I didn't know what to try, just keep trying the same thing. Just keep going and just um, keep fishing keep going.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think that, you know, I've, you know, since we've been to Utah, I've now, I fish all seasons, you know, I fish year round. Whereas before yeah. I, I was in seasons of my life where I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity because I was in the air force and I was traveling and, you know, I was fishing when I could. Um, but now I really look forward to those seasons and you talked about parallels. And I wonder if that's something that has, I don't know, do you see that takeaway as well? We're now kind of like, difficulty or the challenges. Like I, I I'm not saying that I uh, look forward to them or, or something, but it's yeah. uh, on the backside of some of the challenges that we faced moving out here with my daughter and her health and things like there was some, we had some, it was some rough seasons, you know? I mean, it yeah. was yeah. difficult and not just was it difficult to be on the water, but it was just, these are hard times for my wife and I. And on the backside of that though, you know, it's just, so much joy has come from it on the backside from having to grind through some of those things that I think for me, and that's why I really truly mean it. I I just, I kept hearing your voice like, well, seasons, a season. And, uh, and now I, I look at those challenges maybe a little bit differently. I don't know. Certainly on the water I do because I'm I'm fishing all year and I know, well, you know, I look forward to like spring cause the river changes and I, and I like to fish that, that type of year. And I look f- forward to summer because my son's out and we know waiters and we're playing and stuff like those, those types of seasons on the water. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's something that you notice or is that a parallel that you see?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I actually, um, September, uh, September and October I had, uh, I had a goal and, uh, you know, I over the past two years, since we last spoke, uh, really gotten into the the two-hand uh, two switch or the spay game, okay and, uh, and I just love it. I just love it, and so it's been a, a great learning curve and, and I've also been pursuing you know the, the la- or the Chinook salmon, you know, and the coho and uh, on the fly. And so there's one particular body of water that uh, a bigger river that um, just had a goal. I wanted to swing um, swing a fly and get a great eat with the Chinook salmon. And so uh, up to this point, I've definitely connected with the fish on, on this particular river, but um, never landed them. And uh, I think, you know, a mistake is I, I just, you know, like too light of a tippet and, and just hot, aggressive fish. So, uh, so, you know, for like two months, I just kept (laughs) going down on, you know, on my, on my, my, my free time, my personal time, my fishing time, I'd, I'd go down and, and just swing and swing and swing. And, and, um, the guys around me, uh, they know what I'm doing. They know I'm trying, what I'm trying to accomplish. And they're, uh, there's a pretty, pretty big, um, you know, float culture down there, you know, center pinners. And these guys are like surgeons. They're just extracting fish, you know, floating, uh, skein, you know, and, and getting good eats. And, um, and here I am kind of just trying a different method, you know, (laughs) trying to grind it out. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm going through, uh, kind of this, the season where I'm like, man, do I even know how to fish, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, trying different things, having some different goals. And um, and so along the way, basically, you know, there was a point where I did start to connect and I started to connect really well. And and um, and just all the way along the process, though, I just, I realized, you know, the steps I took, the missteps I took. And, and you know, and I, I just can't help but to reflect back on, you know, just what I do in life. Um, you know, everything from parenting to, you know, vocation and how I handle my finances and everything, you know, and I, you know, you just, um at the end of those two months, I, I just really felt, you know, although I didn't feel like I had the, the numbers or uh, the opportunity to have those beautiful fish in my hands, uh, I really, really felt like the you know, the experience and the steps and even the failure was, um, super valuable. You know, I, I, each time I walked away and I said, well, you know, they're not holding there, you know, or I'm not getting it down there maybe, and then just keep going back and trying to reduce variables. And so, um, yeah, I, I find myself often in that, in, in those experiences in life, um, Yeah. A lot of
0: great parallels. Well, it's one of the beautiful things about fishing too. And you mentioned it earlier is that you get the time to reflect on those things. It's like built into the recipe, I think for, for a lot of people, it's just part of the experience is that it just brings clarity. I think and makes you more mindful of certainly nature, but just kind of lets you think about things. It's almost, I don't know. I mean, it's not even deliberate or intentional a lot of times, you know, I think you, you said, you know, I didn't even know what I was going through until I went out on the river. Right. And then I started to be able to reflect. And sometimes when I go to the river, I feel like, you know, I, I'm not thinking about it when I'm out on the river, I'm being very focused. Like people say, I go to the river to forget things or to escape. And I think that's great if people, if that's what they get from it. But for me, it's more like I go because it's in this place where I'm focused on something. It's something that I really valued when I was flying in the air force is that this, this experience of being so focused on something that there is no room for anything else. This is what I am doing. And that's why I like about it. I think, and that's what brings me back a lot along with the problem solving. But a, a side effect of that is when I come back, everything, I just see things in my life more clearly and it, it brings me perspective and, um, I don't know, getting a little heavy here, but that's, 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 <laughs> that's what it is for me. And, yeah. um, and again, that's why I was so excited to talk to you because I know we kind of share that kind of thought on fly fishing and, um, yeah. I'm just grateful to you for kind of bringing that into the focus for me is how important it is to recognize seasons of your life. And also not to beat myself up about like, Hey, when I don't get to the river, I don't, I mean, there's certain times where I just wasn't able to do it, you know, not just in the air yeah. force, but when my daughter was sick or when we were moving and stuff, I was like, we finally moved to Utah. Right. And yeah. yeah. it's like, I can't go fishing. Like I got too much stuff to do to just to make this happen. And that was really frustrating for me. And I mean, I would go, the beauty of it is I would have the river so close that even if I have an hour or an hour and a half, so I was able to do a little bit of that, but, um, right. that was a frustrating season yeah. if you want to call yeah. it. Cause I mean, come on, man, you're here. Um, yeah,
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I know. I understand there's times where, um, you know as i've as i've been growing as a guide you know and and taking on more adventure trips i realize wow you know i i can't get out every morning you know i'm i'm going to have to sacrifice a couple of my you know personal outings just to gear up and get ready for a trip and um and so yeah sometimes you're like oh man you know <laughs> am i doing the right thing here right yeah and um but you know when you take those moments and you realize you know what i get to I'm, I'm, I'm just making an investment into, you know, uh, another trip or a later time. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's been times where I've, I've had a plan. Okay. I'm going to get out of the house. I'm gonna leave at four in the morning. I got to drive and that, and that. Yeah, I love these plans. Yeah. And then things, 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 uh, change.
0: Yeah. Like my baby wakes up and pukes all night long and it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm probably not yeah. going to go. And then,
1: you know, and you're, you're leaving like two hours later, And, um, and you get to some pressured water and there's like nowhere to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to talk to you about your, what's changed in your fly fishing, um, you know, profession as well, because, you know, you started fly fishing as this kind of way to, you know, you found it to be helpful in this season of your life. And, but then you've taken it to the next level and you have Trout It Out now, which is your professional guide service. And you're in New York catching tons of fish, but also helping tons of people, like teaching them, not just getting people on huge fish, which you definitely do, but... uh yeah. And that's why I'm excited later. We're going to talk about fighting fish and some of the lessons you've learned with like the tactics. I love, I want to get into (laughs) tactics too. I didn't know we were going to start off with the deep heavy stuff, but that's where it went. That's, (laughs) that's okay. Uh, Um, but tell me a little bit about how your how trout ed out has transformed and changed and what you're excited about, you know, that has happened so far and moving forward. And if you can summarize that a little bit and then move into you know, your work with the youth that we had talked about at the, at the end of the last conversation.
1: Yeah. You know um, so, you know, I love, um, I love spending time with students. Um, You know, I, I have a couple different roles. Uh, I guide, I'm a part-time guy and um, my initial motivation, you know, I've, I've always taken students out, get them on the water, spend time with them. Uh, I love being that mentor, that big brother.
0: These are students of yours because you're a teacher, right? Like,
1: yeah. So I am. Um, I am a. I have a few different roles, but um, I'm a youth pastor, and um, I also um, I end up piloting um, several different like uh, sports programs in the community, and I do counseling, and so um, yeah, I basically just spend time with students, and there's no better way to show your love and and um, your affection towards a the kid than just giving them time. And so fishing is just, uh, you know, being where I'm located, I'm surrounded by a bunch of just country kids that love to hunt and fish. And, and um, so I take them out in the water. So uh, from the onset of when I started fly fishing, I've always would, you know, naturally take a student, bring them out with me. And, um, you know, I'm catching fish, just, you know, starting to figure it out. Taking pictures, sharing them with friends, and uh, and it was really my peers that really started to encourage me to um, hey man you really you really should start guiding, and, uh, and I didn't know if I wanted to do that because um, again the the time on the water was always such a special you know me time it was a special reflective time it was a place where I really got encouraged and built up and and um, and so. It was almost a little bit threatening for me to to uh, think about. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice that. And um, but because I do like teaching, and, uh, and I do like sharing, I love I love talking about it. So I took the steps um, and went from you know just doing it uh, you know as as serving to a, a for profit. And I wasn't really sure if I um, you know how, how deep I wanted to go with it didn't know if I was going to, you know, um, you know, do several days a week or one day a week or once a month type of thing. And, and so, but what I discovered, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of, it's wonderful basically being a part-time guide. Um, just because I, my heart goes out for the guys that it's like a, you know, full-time career because, um, you know, you have to hustle for, you're having to hustle for clients and outings and, and sometimes just, you know, the weather conditions in your market, um, the water conditions can just be difficult. And, um, it's kind of nice in my spot where, um, you know, if I have a client that wants to go out, um, I, I, I personally just have a, a little rule that, you know, I don't, I don't expect anyone to, to go out on the water in conditions that, um, I wouldn't want to fish. Okay.
0: Well, that's and, good. That's a know, reasonable so, rule. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so, you know, so I'll, so it might come down to it. Like I, for instance, I might have a, a phone call, you know, a couple months prior and a guy wants to go out, he's got a, a window of time. He wants to come up and, you know, coming from out of state and, uh, wants to make a couple days out of it, spend one day with me and then, you know, hoping that I'll just, you know, give him enough, um, yeah, uh, you know, time on the water, locations, techniques, stuff like that, that he'll be good to go. And I love that. I yeah. love
0: that. Cause that's a student. I want to learn. That's what he said. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, so it's nice to, it's nice to be able to, um, they'll call him and, you know, or text him and just say, Hey, just to let you know, this is what's going on in the area. You know, we're, you know, we got, we're dealing with really high water. It's really cold you know, some transitions going on. Um, it's been a difficult yield and, uh, look, I'm, I'm game. If you want to go out, we'll do it. But you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to flex it out, you know, a couple of weeks or next month. And, um, so, you know, it's great. And, and some guys really appreciate that because it's, it's, it's an investment, you right. know, it's a yeah. uh, investment. things like Time. That. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, And so, and two, like, you know, I, I really, um, I, I, I prefer the guy or Gail that, um, really rather learn, you know, um, learn the techniques, learn the water, um, learn the area, a little bit of the history, uh, of the system rather than the person that's hunting for the trophy because, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's just an easier gig you know, then (laughs) (laughs) less pressure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's for
1: sure. So, but, uh, I also, I also love it though. When, when a client says, yeah, you know what, this is my window of time. I understand. I appreciate it, but let's do it. And, um, yeah. And we, and we just press through and we do it. So
0: press through, like we talked about earlier,
1: you know, and then what I do is is the students, you know, the students I spend time with in our community and I just make friends and a lot of times just make friends of the kids friends and and um you know and I just try to you know I don't, there's no fiscal expectation on them and um, so I just try to get them out you know I try to try to break that balance where I I get you know get a client out make a little money cover my costs you know I do have insurance and costs for flies and I can't I can't I'm not in a spot where I can cover everyone's expenses, you know, but, um, but I do like to have the freedom to be able to take out a student and, and just expose them to something that, uh, you know, that I love.
0: So you're doing more of that because the last time we talked, that was one of your goals was to, to do more about, or incorporate that more into Trout It Out. Is that something that has grown and what does that look like now?
1: Yeah. I'd say over the past couple years since we spoke, I've poured into about a dozen students that, um, you know, the way I kind of leave it with them is, you know, the, the older students, you know, so there's some younger students that my relationships really with their parents, you know, and, and I'm really, you know, I'll take the dad and the boys out, Mm -hmm. dad and the daughters out together. Um, but, um, you know, with the older students, you know, when we get in that 14, 15, 16 and up, um, and anyway, I usually tell them I say, hey, you know you get a you get a break in your schedule. I know I'm busy and stuff, but if you want me to take you fishing just let me know And, you know and they'll text me or call me and and I'll take them out so i just i've I'd say over the past couple of years i've I've just uh about a dozen students just kind of poured into you know and and just trying to teach them the different techniques, different waters um you know I would think from proper fish handling to to um you know, just the, you know, just the lessons of life, those things that, you know, so many great men have poured into me. So just try to transfer that. And, um, and then, uh, the goal has been, and I was a little slowed down with the whole COVID thing, but, you know, this past May, uh, we did our first like fish camp, you know, it was, it was a trout camp, but really what was happening was, uh, um, we were hoping to catch the the uh, drop back um lake runbos you know the steelhead and uh but it turned out to be uh a really heavy push of pre-spawn smallmouth bass okay and uh so it went from trout camp to fish camp real quick yeah, yeah yeah and uh but it was great it was a great experience and that was an opportunity where we had a lodge and we had a couple days and um we did up north at salmon river and it was a great opportunity for me at night to to spend time with them and And, uh, talk to them about, you know, the history of the waters and the conservation and, you know, and then we were so fortunate to have, you know, Douglas come out
0: and
1: did some great photography and video and, and, uh, just was able to capture a lot of great memories for us.
0: Yeah. I get the sense that that organization is pretty, uh, pretty full up, pretty good, good folks over there at Douglas. And I've spoke to some other people as well that have had great experiences with them and, uh, feel like they really do care about making the community better yeah they do what's your goal when you or how do you choose who comes out on the trips with you are are these youths that that need this in a way that you see like okay because because you have come from a place where like you said you now appreciate the me time and Mm -hmm. as a counselor you know all the things that that has done for you i gotta i gotta think that that's that's gotta be obvious to you. Like, you gotta see this. Like we've got organizations like iron freedom foundation, project healing waters, um, you know, casting for recovery, these organizations get it. They understand that this is something that is, you know, some of the things that we've touched on earlier are, are real things that are helpful to people that, you know, have serious issues. And so, knowing that and having your background in counseling, I mean, are you, do you see that? And you can, I don't want to say hand pick, but you can, you can kind of look and say this, this individual is going to benefit from this in a big way. And that is that's, is that something that you're doing kind of incorporated into your counseling?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's actually a lot more simple than, than it may seem. It's just, uh you know, you, uh, it usually starts with just the initial introduction and, uh, it just seems like there's a connection, you know, they like being with you. You like being with them. And, um, and then from there, um, you know, it's like if, if their response is, um, with gratitude, you know, like, man, I I appreciate that, you know, and they, they like, you know, you can just sense that someone likes being with you Yeah, and that's it. It's just, it's just that simple and it's just giving time and it's, nothing overly overthought or calculated. It's, you know, um, sometimes it's like, uh, I might not have the opportunity to get out in the water, but you know, I'm going to take a drive to the fly shop and I'll just call a student and say, Hey, want to go for a ride? And just all that time in the car, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's just valuable. Yeah. You know, it's just valuable. It's investing in people. Okay. And it's a privilege.
0: Well, that sounds great, and I'm happy that you're able to do that, and then it's able to groan and I'm glad that you got your first fish camp going, and yeah, I think it's cool that you're doing that, and I assume you're gonna be progressing with that as well and doing more of those. That was a successful thing for you guys,
1: yeah, yeah my my the vision is to be able to do do uh, a good like corporate camp you know where you have more than just the one on one but a you know a group of a dozen anglers. um I love to do one every season you know, like to do what in the spring, fall, winter, summer seasons. So yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> seasons. That's exactly it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some of the progress you've made in fly fishing and a little bit more about the two handed swinging and why that was important for you to start or how you got started in that. And I guess why you started it and then how you, how you're doing it and some of the techniques you use.
1: Yeah. I I want to start. It just looks cool. It looked cool to me. And then as soon as I started to, uh, take steps to do it. And when I, I started to accomplish a few casts and it just, it, it felt great. Also, um, you know, back home here, I mean, some waters are a little smaller, a little more intimate, other, other rivers are a little bit bigger. And, um, what I noticed was some of the old timers that, that would swing to two hand swing rods, uh, they would fish, um, what I would classify as like B and C water, you know, not like the deeper runs and the twists and the bends and the undercut banks where you, you trust, you know, some big fish are going to hold. Um, but they would fish just kind of the flat, open, featureless, mundane waters. And, um, and, And what I discovered is, um, you know, I mean, I do like the seasons of winter because a lot less people come out and fish during those seasons, right? So you get to go where you want to go. But in the fall, um, you know, or sometimes in the spring, it's like it is so congested on the waters that, um, you know, you might have a plan of where you want to go and, you know, you'll spend, you know, a good chunk of your morning, just trying to find a place to go fish.
0: Really? Wow.
1: Yeah, it, it can be that way. It's just, um, you know, Western New York is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hot spot. Yeah. and you know, the Browns get big and, uh, and so it's pretty wild. I mean, I'll go into our local fisheries and, you know, first thing I do is I say, oh, there's Virginia plates. So oh, there's Pennsylvania plates, you know, there's Maryland plates, you know, and, um, and these guys, you know, they, uh, they get a taste of it. And so what they'll do is, uh, they'll put aside a week of time, you know, or three or four days and they'll go with their buddies. They're committed. They're going to go early. They're going to post up. Right. And, uh, makes it hard. You know, there's times where you walk away and you're like, I don't even know if I want to fish here in the fall anymore, you know? Yeah. And so the swinging, what it did is, uh, watching some of these guys fish, uh, sections of water that, that I would kind of discount, right. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch. I realized, you know what, this, that looks so cool that even if I'm not catching fish, it's like, um, um, you know, it, the thing that I've always loved about fly fishing compared to, you know, conventional is, uh, I feel like it has just a greater marksmanship component to it. You know, like I love the, I, I love just, you know, trying to pinpoint a cast to a specific area. Um, I like having both hands involved. I like having my whole body involved. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and so the two hand game, I love it because even if I'm not catching the casting is I'm always something to
0: work on. Yeah, for sure. You're doing stuff. You're moving.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, um, the decisions, the choices, the tips—it's um, just—it's just—you know—it has—it's just put layers of new challenges in front of me. Yeah, and um, so yeah, and I and and um, and then of all the different takes you can get from a fish, man, nothing more just predatorily savage <laughs> than a uh, than a grab from a swing. I just I love it.
0: Yeah, well, that is very that is very cool that you're able to kind of reach more water. And I can think that's something that a lot of us look for as the waters get more crowded and stuff. And you know, that, when I moved to Missouri, this is not fishing, I guess, but when I moved to Missouri, yeah. I always I getting into hunting and stuff and I hunted a couple years in Missouri I got into bow hunting for a similar reason. Like there's more, yeah. a, there's more public land. The season's longer. Yeah. I don't need as much space. And even though I've never done this before, I can, I'll figure it out and a lot of challenges and stuff, but maybe not as cool as swinging flies in New York, in Western <laughs> New York, But yeah, <laughs> but I could definitely relate to just kind of wanting to have more of something that you enjoy and embracing something that you're not used to. And it gets you back to, you know, you're learning again and you're in this place mm-hmm. where you're problem solving and you're focused and things like that.
1: One of the things I've always liked is being able to go into a run and try to fish every technique I can on it before I move on, you know, almost like that, um, competition mindset.
0: Right. Yeah. I talk to a lot of those guys. Yeah. It's like you have
1: a beat and, um, I don't. I don't fish competitively, but I have friends that do. You compete
0: and, with yourself, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and, and, it's, and having that mindset in pressured water is great because um, sometimes I, I do get like the one great run. But you know what? It's like at the end of the day when the guys have just beat the snot out of the run, right? Fished it hard, extracted every fish they think out of there. And now I have an opportunity to go fish it. And, um, and so it's nice to go in there and think, well, okay, this is probably what they've been throwing. This is probably what they've been doing. And then I try to bring that little different, um, game to that run. And it's, and it's satisfying when, you know, you extract a fish or two out of that after fish all day. Yes. And, um, And so, and sometimes that is like, you know, if, if, uh, the water seems to be like, okay, this is an area where you're going to, you're going to just float fish. Um,
0: can you say what float fishing is for me? I'm not really, I'm not familiar with it, but I have an idea, but I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. So it's just, it's just another way of saying a fishing with an indicator. Got it. Okay. Right. Or a bobber. That's so, it's kind of what I thought, but
0: I wasn't sure. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, you know, with, Um, it seems like you're you got four techniques that you're you're either going to employ you're either gonna um, you're going to subsurface nymph fish right and you can do that either tight lining or your own nymphing or you can do the same fly presentation but now you're gonna put a um, a flow or indicator on and then you can you know if you have a dry fly opportunity right to subs or top surface you can cast and, um, and get a top surface take. And then the other is the streamer, and that the streamer could be, you know, a cast and twitch jig strip, um, or it could be a swing, you know, or a combination of it all. So, one of the things that, um, like two years ago when we spoke, one of the things I would like to do is kind of create, I, I am a minimalist when it comes to being on the water.
0: Good. We're going to get into minimalism. I like it. Yeah. So
1: so um I mean there has been times where I mean when I guide I'll 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 uh, I'll bring, you know, a couple rods, right? 3 or 4 rods. Not 3 or 4, but you know, if if a client has one or two, I might pack in two and okay. you know and, and it's a lot easier. I mean the a hybrid is usually never great at one thing, right?
0: Oh, I'm familiar
1: You know, it's like uh, you're you're always going to be better off um, with, you know, the right rod for the right technique. But when I'm by myself um, or if I'm with a take out a guy that that likes that philosophy, for instance, like what two years ago, what I used to do is I would have um, like a six weight rod and I had a leader that was built like a uh, basically like a euro leader. Okay. And, but on a dry fly line, like on a, on a, you know, on a casting line Board weight and floating um, line. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And, um and what I would do is I would like to basically um I would like to tight line a section. And then, you know, if I connect with the fish or two and then in that same run before I move on, I then put an indicator on, and sometimes that's just enough to change the drift. Sometimes the fish want a little drag. Sometimes, you know, it just creates a, um, you know, just a little, it, it can get me a little bit farther where I don't feel committed to wading out. Um, but I also like to then, uh, after I do those two techniques, um, tie on a streamer and, and then just turn downstream, cast to the bank, swing that, um and strip it or jig it i might dead drift it sometimes i put an indicator on on that streamer and so my leader and my rod everything is able to accommodate all four techniques Mm -hmm. even if i did have a dry fly opportunity you know to a rising fish i could i can with that leader i can just basically tie on a dry maybe change my tippet and do it so i like that what i've done these past two years is I've done the same thing, but now with a two-hand rod. And so, um, like, I started off with...
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, um, because I love the two-hand cast, um, I, can, I can basically do the same thing now with just nice big roll casts. Um, uh, the switch rods are phenomenal, because what I'll do is I'll have basically, uh, like, for instance, right now, I'm using 11-foot, 4-inch switch rod. It's a five-weight. And, um, and what I do is I keep uh, two, sometimes three reels, and I just throw them in my bag. And it's a lot easier for me to uh, kind of have a reel set up. I'd rather just have a reel where I just kind of, you know, maybe clip off the fly, you know, uh, spool it up. Switch the reel. Then I have a different. I might have a sink tip on one reel, or I might have, um, you know, a uh, a rig set up for floating. Yeah. And and um, but I also use my same leader where I can tight line. So so yeah, I'm using a like a five way eleven foot four, which is phenomenal reach. If you're going to tight line nymph, I mean, you can be really stealthy. You don't even have to enter some sections of the water. Sure, and, um, and then from there, I can just tie on my float and do a nice roll cast and, uh, and then be able to float fish, you know, or, yeah. you know, run it with an indicator. Um, but I can at the same token, um, if I see a nice undercut bank, I'll tie on a streamer and I'll do the same thing. I can either roll cast or just over can cast it, kind of jig it, strip it. Um, and then maybe at the end of the run, it just becomes nice and soft and it's the right season where the fish seem like they'll be holding at that, that tail out. I'll just switch the reel over and I got my sink tip on and now it's like the traditional spay game.
0: Hmm. It sounds really cool. Can you talk a little bit more about the actual leader itself? What is, what is that made of? And how do yeah.
1: you, yeah, so I like, I like the hand tied leaders. Um, like, so so what I end up doing really simple is um, I step down. I think I start at 24 inch. Then I go 22 inch and then 18 inch. But I start with 40 pound. Okay. Then I step down to 30 pound okay. and then 15 pound. So my 40 pound, I like the Maxima Chameleon. And um, so I use, you know, just stiff, rigid. It's, you know, been tried and tested, you know, in the euro your, your nymphing community right? Yep. Um, so I start with uh, 40 pound and then I do my blood knot 30 pound. And then I do uh, 15 pound uh, red amnesia. Okay. And then I tie, it, uh, tie a tie tippet ring onto that. So that there is about five feet. Okay. okay. So just a five foot little leader.
0: So that's a half of about, if I'm using nine or seven and a half foot. Tapered leaders. It's about half of that Mm -hmm. setup so far. Okay.
1: Yep. And then on my spool, my tippet. So if I'm doing, if I'm going after the big lake run fish and there's a little stain, I'll just use 10 pound tippet. Okay. And so then I'll take, you know, an arm's length, so another five feet, maybe six if I'm a little generous, and I'll tie that onto my leader, onto my tippet ring. From there, I'll attach my fly and you know, split shot, maybe about 14 to 16 inches above it. Um, my flies are well-weighted, uh, again, just because my tight line kind of background. Yeah. But I do tie now a lot of unweighted flies because of the spay background, you know, or the swing game.
0: Because you have the sinking leaders.
1: Yeah, I'd I like to, re- I, you know, uh, I let the sink tip or sometimes the shot do the work of getting the fly down.
0: Yeah. I think there's a big benefit of split shot. And I know split shot, a lot of people, I can't stand split shot, but I think there's a lot of flexibility. But I also think presentation wise, I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just me, but I just think that that is a good presentation sometimes because the split shots down there. And if you have a fly that's unweighted, you know, it's, it is affected by, the water differently than if it was weighted. And sometimes I think that would be more natural looking to a fish, you know? Let
1: me ask you a question, Jason. Why, why do, why do people avoid split shot?
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's because, um, for me, for, so I grew up with split shot. So I just, that's just made sense to me. Like, Oh yeah, I need to get my fly down that was when I was fishing hoppers and worms and stuff on on Mm -hmm. spinning rigs in Montana as a kid. So, um, but as I got into fly fishing, I think a lot of split shot is hard to be flexible with. So I think it's hard to take off and on, or it can be if you don't have the right kind of split shot or you're not used to it, or maybe you bite your fingernails or something. (laughs) So if you're not able to, be flexible and what we've been talking about for the last 5 minutes is being flexible and and being able to change and do all these things then it can be you know if it's not easy people won't do it they they're not yeah. they're not likely to make those ch- I mean people aren't likely to make changes anyway even I've right. seen even I have to force myself to be like okay this isn't working why isn't working is it the water yeah. is it the depth is it possibly a fly I mean what what do I need to change and so I think that people, it's just one extra thing that people have to change that makes it just a little bit harder for them to, um, get their mind wrapped around the fact that you're going to have to adjust on the river and especially new anglers. I don't think that they are in that place where they're going to make tons of changes. So that's one thing. And then, Mm -hmm. and then I think that there's also a factor of, it's just not popular or it's just kind of these weighted flies you know, they, they have weight in the fly. And now I just have this quote, easy button where I don't need split shot anymore. I'll just use my flies that are weighted. Even though I think even with weighted flies, there's benefits of, uh, split shot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Why for do you, sure. is that, uh, is that what do you think? Yeah. My
1: analysis. I, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the, the other thing is the tangle factor, you know, yeah. a lot of people, right. It's, uh, it can, uh, it can, you know, it can, it can get ugly real quick and it can be super discouraging if you have just spent 20 yeah. minutes rigging up, right? It probably doesn't take that long, but Well, it feels no,
0: but long. in the beginning, like when I first yeah. started doing like when I started putting droppers above my lead fly, you know, and I, that, that took me a long time that took me to figure that out and get that going. And then, and then you've got some split shot wraps around or you catch a fish and it kind of now you're, am I hurting the fish with this is wrapping around and stuff? Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I can see where it takes a while, especially it's cold. My hands are numb. (laughs) It takes a while for me.
1: Yeah. So the one thing that, the one thing that I've learned a lot, um, from watching is the center pin community. And, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with center pinning
0: center pin. No, it's,
1: it's, uh, it's real popular in the bigger waterways. Um, the, Imagine the rod, um, you know, your fly rod um, is a little bit more, a little more noodly, Okay. And, uh, and, and the, um, your, your reel has a center pin and, um, and it just basically once it gets spinning, it's got basically in the construction of the, of the reel, it has, uh, bearings, you know, like skate bearings. Sure. And so once the wheel, the the reel gets in motion, it will just kind of spin, um, you know, effortlessly. And uh, what the anglers do is they take um, they they spool the reel with mono, okay, monofilament, and um, and basically they cast the line. And the, where I'm drawing the attention to is not necessarily the the the, the mode of fishing, but basically, how they present their fly. What they do is they have a a float, and it can be like a bobber indicator or like a balsa float, typically. And they have what you call a shot line. So the shot line is basically a line of monofilament, typically, that has a progression of shot, okay? Tin or lead shot, um, sometimes tungsten, and it just goes Um, a progression. Now, what they do is, is they, towards the float, they put bigger shot, okay? Mm -hmm. And as you go down towards the fly, uh, what they do is they use smaller shot. And the whole idea is, is they're applying what they know about fluid mechanics, right? Like, um, we know that the water Mm-hmm. runs faster at the top surface. Right. It runs a little bit slower in the middle and the most slow in the bottom. Yeah. And so their shot lines what they do is is it causes that initial grab right by the surface, you got your heavier weight. Yeah. And that's a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter. And so what happens as um, what they do is is it just basically the, the presentation almost goes like in a J and they, and the fish sees the fly first or the offering before it, it's, it's, you know, and you spread that out yeah, over yeah. like five or six feet. That. All right. Now with the fly fishing, it's not that complicated. And, and,
0: um, right. That's a different, that's a different type of fishing, but you're using that to explain the theory.
1: Yeah. But, but this is when it comes to shock though, What I've learned from these guys is is if I were to put like maybe two pieces of shot, something very simple. Yeah. I will put a bigger piece of shot on top, a smaller piece of shot in the middle, and my, my fly is the least weighted. Right. And now I could chuck that across the river and it always rolls out just like a tapered leader. Right. You get very little tangle. And stuff oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. Even when I discovered when I was, um, I remember uh, when I was first introduced to to Euro nymphing. You know, I always thought you had to have the heavy anchored fly in the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was, I think it was George Daniels who was, you know, uh, or no, it was Lance Egan was. Uh, I remember he was um, kind of notorious for putting the anchor fly in the middle, and you know, and you know, your you're, you know your heavier fly in the middle. And um, and your lighter fly in the, in the bottom. And uh, what I discovered is it's the same thing. It's like with the fluid mechanics and with the casting, your presentation is going to roll out. So what I will do, like in some of the bigger rivers, I will actually, I'll use my two-hand rod. And with a a Skagit line, which is like able to throw a big sink tip. Mm-hmm. But I will put a float and I'll just pull out my, you know five feet of, of tippet, and I will put just a big piece of shot, a medium piece of shot, a couple smaller pieces of shot, and I can swing that, throw that, roll cast that, and, and it's very minimal that I tangle. Interesting. And so, yeah, I learned that from these guys. These guys that center pin in the bigger waters, they're like surgeons. They can just extract fish, and I, it's incredible um, because they're not uh, messing with a lot of tangles. Yeah, and they're getting the the offering right in front of them. So
0: yeah, that's very cool. With your setup, what if you want to go to drys? So what you're describing with the the, Maxima chameleon and all that, it's yeah. I mean, it's a lot like um, Dominic at Troutbitten. He's a, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. another fly yeah. fisher that I've talked to a lot and um, he's got tons of great information out about all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that he puts out a lot of information on is the mono rig and he is a big believer in it. And uh, for a good reason, it works really well for him and I've, I've fished it too and I enjoy it. And um, the versatility though is what he'll always say that is, is so um, is one of the uh, great advantages and the versatility is kind of, I feel like what you're getting after here with this, the setup as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I love Dominic stuff and um I like the same versatility, but I'd rather just bring two or three rule reel, or reels that are spooled up specific. So for instance, um if I'm fishing in twenty-five degree weather, yeah, and having to handle mono I I don't even want to be out. Right. I get it. So, so, so what I do is, is I have a, a, you know, a mono, like it's, it's a compromise. It's like a mono, like rig, but I am holding on to my fly line because I wear big parka ski gloves Yeah, and I don't like being cold. And so, um, so what I'll do is, is I can, I can fish cast, uh, work, um, and, and as soon as I get a fish on though, I, you know, wipe yeah, yeah. off my gloves, stuff yeah. in my bids, bibs and, uh, and just go. Um, but when it comes to the dry
0: fly, that's what I was going to ask the dry fly game, especially with the tippet ring. Is that a problem? Does that float no. or?
1: No, not at all. Cause, um, yeah, the, it's, it's good. Um, like, so I'll step away from, you know, so I'll in Western New York here, you know, we get this great lake run fisheries, right. Yeah. From, um, November right to May. But, um, I do like spending the summer months down in the Catskills. And so now, um, what I like to do is, is I'll have a, um, a 12 foot leader. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, but I will tie on and, and I'll just use like, I'll just, you know, I'll just use like a, um, um, you know, a store bought 12 foot leader, but I will put on a tippet ring and then pull off another four feet of tippet and I'll just tie it onto that. I'll put a little grease on it, you know, a Mm -hmm. little floatant on there, but it doesn't really matter. I, I, I tend to, when it comes to the dry fly down there, um, uh, I'm not so concerned about the tippet, uh, breaking the surface. I actually want it to break the surface, um, because I, I feel that, the fish get more spooked out by the surface tension than the actual visual of, of of the tippet.
0: So, are you fishing nylon leaders and tippet when you're dry fly then,
1: or do you? Yeah, but I well, my my leader is nylon, but my but then I attach uh, three or four feet of fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon,
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I use I use salt salt water leaders down there. Really. Yeah, bigger bigger butt end and it just turns it over yeah and and you know if you if you're throwing a 15 foot rig you don't have to worry about it you know like i know some guys do really well with um you know four weights and you know i i don't i, I run a, a little bit bigger setup and i don't have to get that close and i am throwing bigger casts
0: and you've got you still have a big uh, uh 11 you're using that 11 foot rod for for this stuff
1: no, not not down the Catskills. Okay. Down there, okay. yeah. I'll, I'll use a ten foot though. Um, I still, I still, um, yeah, I still am partial to a longer rod. Um, you know, I've gotten into the boat game. I got a, I got a drift boat. You got um, a drift boat? Yeah, it's. I, I got one of the fly crafts. So you know, the high end inflatables. Awesome. And uh, nice. Uh, Do you I, like it? I, um, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I thought that was a. Going to be a good inter- a better introduction to me than committing to a um, a hard shell, just because one um, I'm such a novice at the stick still, and uh, um, I I did a float uh, a couple weeks back up up north, you know, a salmon river, and and uh, I think I hit every rock uh, <laughs> yeah. that the Lord placed in the river.
0: I'm thinking I'm going to go with the fly craft too. I don't know, we'll see. But yeah. th- there's a river close to me that you couldn't put a drift boat on. I mean, maybe sometimes a year you could, I guess, but it's not really a drift boat river, but you can definitely take a a raft out on it. And I've done that before with my friend that lives in the area. And, uh, and it's like, it's just 20 minutes away. I mean, I can drive 20 Mm -hmm. minutes, put it in and float half a day and be out by lunch. And so, yeah, that's pretty cool. And I could still take that out on like the green river Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just not as, and again, I'm, I'm okay on the sticks, I guess, better than when I started, I'll say, but, (laughs) uh, you know, I don't know. You gotta be pretty good when you're going through some of that stuff, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Big water out there for sure. Yeah. Now you can throw it in the back of your truck. If you, I mean, I guess you got a big enough bed or whatever, but uh, all right. Good to know that you like the flight yep. Cause I'm thinking. Yeah. About...
1: Yeah. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I'm learning. And, um, I love it. Uh, I love it as a taxi. I love it as, you know, you know, to get you, you can get, you can get there, park it, get out, stretch your legs. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can fish that way if you're by yourself. Um, you know, yeah. You can take out guys, take
0: friends with you um, or take your son who's eight years old, yeah. who can play yeah. in the river. I mean, that's right. That's right. Why don't we talk about, fighting fish if you if you want to. Just a little bit I wanted to ask you because you know, you're you're catching a lot of big fish, Steve. And and I mean, there's a lot of big fish out there to be caught in your area in western New York and stuff. And one of the things that I always talk about, maybe not always, but one of the things that I do talk about is the difficulty of learning how to fight fish is hard because you know, the times that you're able to catch big fish as a beginner, it's kind of like a catch 22, you know, like I'm not catching that many big fish and I'm not landing them because I can't catch them, you know? so what are some of the things that you've learned having the opportunity to fish for these, these big Browns, like you said, and like you said, there's a lot of people that come to that area for these big fish and you're right in the heart of it. So what are some, I don't know. Tips or techniques that you've that you've passed along to to folks on fighting fish.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Um yeah, I think uh I think you know to keep in mind is, you know, what what species you're targeting, right? What fish you're going after. Um so sometimes um you know, if I know that I'm going to be connecting with some lake run browns, I know that fish is going to play a little different than, you know, a steelhead um or a, connect, a you know, a chinook or a or a, um, coho salmon. So one of the things I, let me just start with the big picture. Um, one of the things is, you know, even, even when I have some great connections, I still, I still drop fish.
0: Sure. You know? I mean, yeah.
1: it's just, it is the reality, right? There are times where you walk away and you're like, what did I do wrong? Right. And, and we just got to start there. Sometimes these fish just come unbuttoned.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes, you know what you did wrong. Like sometimes I'll catch a big fish and I'll be like, Oh, well he got me. He just yeah. jumped. Yeah. He like torpedoed me out of the mm-hmm. water. I didn't mm-hmm. keep the line tight and yeah, he just, I wasn't ready.
1: Yeah. But, uh, there's a few things. There's a few things that, that I definitely try to, to keep in mind. And, and I notice that when I take, when I take people out too, when I find myself being going like, oh, no, 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 what? You know, that's, I'm, I'm seeing <laughs> yeah. something that is going to be a potential disaster. Um,
0: <laughs> disaster.
1: Yes. Yeah. But, but for starters, I, I the two things I do kind of keep in mind when, when I, when I am casting, uh, I always like to start to think about, you know, when I connect with the fish, where am I going to go? Um, I feel like body positioning, if it's possible, is 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 probably the most critical aspect of playing a fish i know that when a fish gets below me downstream okay and that fish becomes directly like 12 o'clock below me and it starts shaking its head um you have you are the most vulnerable of of that fish dropping that fly or that hook because um, it has all the leverage and you're, you know, you just don't have the tension, you have the tension.
0: Yeah. Plus it kind of pulls it up in the water towards the surface, which is where that fast water mm-hmm. is. Right. Cause yeah, yeah. just, just like thermodynamics, like you said, it's just, it's going to rise up because of the way the line is. Right.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes a fish will, you know, you, you might, and, and sometimes, you know, if I'm fishing with an indicator or if I'm swinging, I mean, swinging is a whole different game. Okay. And so how I play a fish with swinging, swinging, you're typically, you're already at, in a spot where the fish is downstream and it could be way downstream. So, so what I'm talking about initially may not be relevant there, but like, you know, if you're, if, um, you know, you're fishing just immediate water in front of you. Um, if I have a, a hook set that's above stream, okay, or I say upstream of me, Got it. right, yep. of you as an angler. What I try to do when I play that fish, when I first initially connect, okay, um, the first thing I do is uh, is I just notice where my rod tip is, and I do just basically bring my rod tip up. And I always try to put um, some type of um, – you know, angle towards the bank. So if I am fishing from the bank or close to the bank and I make the connection with the fish in the center of the stream, um, the first thing I do as I raise that tip up, I start to bring, you know, the angle of the rod, maybe 45 degrees. So I'm I'm starting to get some bank pressure, but I keep my tip relatively high uh, above my head. And, um, and usually in, in that, those few moments, um, I like getting my line on my reel. Okay. Just, it just tighten things up. Um, sometimes I might have an excessive amount of line off my reel because I'm doing some weird things. Okay. I might cast up with an indicator. I might let that indicator float way too long you know, and, but sometimes, you know, I just have a lot and I don't want to keep pulling line off. Yeah. So whatever my situation is, I take that moment. I make my, you know, you want to keep your tension on your line. Okay. So you want there to be tension. You're not holding your ground. Okay. You, you're, you you but I'm, I am holding the line with my hand, but I will start to put the tension. I'll start to get my excess line onto my reel.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Usually during that window, I can start to understand what I have on on my line. If I get a gnarly brown, okay, it will start (laughs) to do the head shakes, okay? All right. And if those head shakes start, he starts to come up and to the surface, whether it's like almost like it's like a splashy thing. Then I will immediately now take my rod and I will bring it parallel to the water with side pressure. What I want to do is that fish is not ready yet. And that posture of him coming up so close to the surface, that's, that's typically where you're going to get break offs. Yep. Right there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to jerk. So what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to soften up that tension. And make it more consistent. And I want to get his head down because he's not ready to come to the net. So, so as I that initial connection, connection, I'll bring the rod up, kind of bring it towards the bank, but I keep my tip high. I evaluate what's going on, and if I get the head shakes, okay, um, it will. Um, at that point, then I will bring the rod to the side, you know, parallel to the water and do side pressure, but. In that same moment, and I'm, and I'm starting to get, I'm just, you know, I'm getting the tension, keep the tension on, I'm getting the line on the reel. But now if all of a sudden that fish goes airborne, right, my rod tip is already in up high, and now I can just bow my tip down to the water. And, you know, and from that spot, when a fish goes airborne, I believe that's how they play it in a salt context. You know, yeah. if the fish goes airborne, it's like bow to the fish, right? It's kind of bring the tip down. Well, the idea is, is you're, you're not giving up all that tension and, and creating all that slack where the fish can throw your fly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so just bringing it down. And so I'll do that with steelhead and sometimes the steelhead will do jump one, two, three, you know, that's cool. Um, and so, so it's like, it's, it's kind of that initial reflex. It gets my tip up. It lets me evaluate what's going on. If it's a brown and and he starts to head shake, um, and it's at the surface, then I can just bring my tip parallel and start to give him side pressure. That side pressure will start to push him down. Okay, and, and it will just it will just say get down. Um, with the steelhead, it just does same thing kind of there. Um, if it's a salmon, it's a whole different story. With the salmon, uh, if you get a good eat from a, from a King salmon. It's almost like you get them and, and it just, it's, it's, you sense like almost like what is happening and and they're just evaluating what's going on. And then they just start to pull and, and they typically just start pulling upstream. Now at this point, I'm already in that same position. My tip is high to the bank. And, and at that point, um, I'm, I'm, I'm. The thing that I love about these two-hand rods is I love taking that butt end and just put it in my sternum Mm. and just holding onto that thing. I used to every time I would get a fish, I used to kind of palm the reel, you know, like I didn't have a drag, but I do have a drag. But I think you know, it just I love the way it looks and feels. Yeah. Um, but actually, when I was at salmon camp this last, uh, this last fall. Um, one of my guide friends, uh, Nick ref, he, he did some tarpon, um, some tarpon, uh, fishing and he said, Steve, let me show you how, how these guys play it and you should play the fish the same way. So it was great. It was great learning curve for me. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, no longer were my knuckles getting slammed by the reel as it's peeling offline. (laughs) And, and so with the salmon, you know, it was really tension, kept the tip up 45 to the bank. But what will happen as soon as they pause, typically they'll just turn around and start running back downstream. Back down, okay. Back down. And and I discovered the lake run bows and the steelhead will do the same thing in a bigger water context. They'll peel off line, they'll go way to the bank, or they'll go right up, but there's going to be a point where they turn around. So that, you have to be in a position now to just start picking up line. And, and at that point, I like, I like having the rod right at my sternum, getting it right there, you know. Yeah. Even, if, um, even if you don't have a two-hand rod and you, you wear a chest pack, stick that butt end right at your chest and just get that right in front of you and pick up line. Then as soon as you make that, as soon as that fish gets downstream of you, you got to give good, consistent side pressure, make your rod parallel, and that will stop them and turn them.
0: This happens a lot. It took me a long time to understand the kind of some of the reasons for side pressure and to get the fish down where the you know they're in slower water and they're not as likely to get up you know at the surface where they're yeah it's just more precarious a situation. But now when they run downstream for whatever reason, either I've made some mistakes or they just decide to go downstream. What what does that side pressure look like? So I'm facing the water, the fish is downstream. You're saying now I'm going to turn the rod towards the bank downstream of you, or you're going to still keep that low side pressure, but your rod's going to be upstream?
1: Yeah. So what's happened is the fish went really quick where it was upstream of you. Yeah. Right. Which is always the, which is whenever you play a fish, always going to be a better situation. If you can. Play the fish, net the fish, and, you know, if if you can do all that where it's upstream of you, yeah, it's always going to be better. But there are times where things get crazy and they get yeah. downstream of you.
0: Or a lot of times, you talked about it with streamers, but, I mean, a lot of times I'm hooking up at the end of that drift yes. or yep. it's taking it on the rise. You know, I always try yep. and, you know, wait for that hook set right before I pick up. I mean, so there's tons of fish I catch at the end. Yes. of my drift. And so I'm already, I feel like, okay, I'm already yep. in a bad spot. Yeah, And
1: so what I'll do if, if I can, in those situations, what I'll do is I'll immediately, I'll start to bring side pressure. And then if I can, as I'm, I'm, I'm uh side pressure, I'm kind of reeling in and I still try to walk so I can get below the fish, but sometimes it's unrealistic.
0: Sure. I'm going to try and get below the fish too. And one thing that I, I, I want to be I'm a lot more mobile than I have been in the past, especially when I'm fishing smaller water where there's a lot of debris and rocks and things I've, I've learned that I've got to be moving around or I'm not, this isn't going to happen. Uh, but where's your chest facing? So the fish is downstream of you and you're putting side pressure. Are you, are you kind of still facing upstream with the rod? Um, upstream are you are you facing the fish downstream with side pressure you know to the bank but yeah, now correct. the rod is everything so everything is facing downstream with the rod to the bank
1: yep exactly that's a yeah i am i am facing downstream facing the fish you know I, I i could be like you know if if the fish is downstream but 45 degrees you can still face the the fish Mm -hmm. um you know your body mechanics aren't so important there the idea though is i am i am dropping my rod down so it's like you know parallel with the water probably usually about waist level right yeah um and 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 i am bringing the rod to the to the opposite bank you know um the side where i'm at so away from the fish and um And, and from there, that's, uh, you know, just bring it in and, 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 and what that's going to start to also do is get that fish out of that heavy, uh, turbulent flow in the center and start to bring it over where you are. The, the going back to the initial connection of the fish, I know there are times where I feel really confident that, you know, I gotta, I I might be playing the fish for a long time, you know, um, you know, a long time might be, <laughs> you know, maybe a minute, but still it's, it's, you know. Yeah, I get it you. Feels, yeah. It feels, um, and, and there's times where you start to feel like, man, I, I got this fish, you know, it's, it's, it's on there. Right. Um, and a lot of times, um, especially like in inland fishing. So the Lake Run Browns play definitely different than the inland fish. Actually the, you know, like the West Branch Browns, can be a whole lot more of a hoot to play than, um, than they are in Western New York. Okay. Um, and because those fish are scrappy, they'll just, they'll go anywhere, do whatever they'll, you know, they'll hunt for a log jam, that kind of thing.
0: Oh yeah. So they're like that so, out here, they love, yeah, they're yeah. just going straight to logs and trees and And, and, and rocks.
1: actually there was this one season, um, in this one section of the Catskills, it seemed like every brown you connect with was like airborne. They were like all playing like Atlantics this day. It was, it was incredible. It was like, and I remember ta- I go, you know, is, is every fish taken a flight? They're like, yeah, I don't know what it is, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, cool. um, so one of the things that I know is, is changing the direction. Like if a fish is pulling away from you, if you give side pressure on its opposite, it will confuse the fish. And it will turn them. You're breaking the will of the fish a little bit quicker if you do that. The problem is, is if you start moving your rod angles so many times, um, you might also be giving your fly more opportunity to pop out, right?
0: Yeah. You're kind of wiggling the fly in his mouth, which is loosening
1: up that. So, so I try to, I try not to, like if I connect with the fish, it was clearly on my starboard, you know, side, yes. Good. right. And I try to continue to play the fish without changing too much of that angle.
0: That makes sense. Um,
1: and, uh, cause there's times where I get over cocky, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like looking like a showman, I'm like, oh, you know, and, and, uh, and, and that thing just pops right off. And it was yeah. because I, I picked that one angle where that fly just says, yeah, there, that was the angle it came in.
0: And, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You know? So, um, that's, that's, that's roughly it. Um, of course, you know, when you're fishing with a partner, when you're fishing with a partner, you uh, – I tell you what, there's, there's a tendency when you're fishing with a friend or a net man to yeah. disregard getting below a fish. Yeah, and guides do it all the time, sure. and uh, and I get frustrated when <laughs> when I'm guided and yeah. they, te- they 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 kind of instruct me and and when I listen to them, um, and then the fish drops. I'm like, I will not do that again. I tell you what, I'm gonna just play the fish how I feel comfortable playing the fish, and if you're not comfortable with netting it, then I'll net it. You know, it's just kind of like you know. So I it's, I think if you can your body positioning get below the fish is always going to help out quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Well, you you mentioned too, uh, is species. I think that's really important. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I appreciate your patience, you know, digging through that conversation or that, with so many different variables and just providing some good solid rules of thumb that are pretty helpful in most situations. But like you said, so many times, Oh, if it's this fish or this, I mean, they're going to fight differently. And I think that's true with even just same species too. Like some fish just fight differently than others. So you can't really, you have some rules of thumb, you have some better practices, but you got to be ready for, for what this fish is going to do that day. And I, (laughs) I find that, um, what has, I've started to realize that I didn't do a good job of before is not even physical. It's like mental when I, I, I also love, I also agree that I, you know, I hook into the fish and then I'm like, I'm making an assessment. So, yeah, Yeah what's going on? Is it a big fish? Is it a small fish? I mean, I want to get him on the reel, but if I, if I grab that line and I get all the fly on the reel oh, the line on the reel and it's a huge fish that wants to run, well, he might break off. So that, that first beginning part is where I'm like, what's going on? Um, assess. And then, but what I haven't done a good job of, I think that is important for me at least is like, I need to flip a switch in my brain that, cause I get into the, you know, fly fishing is this peaceful. I'm in this mm-hmm. rhythm. It's rhythmic. It's not yeah. aggressive really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And fighting fish, I don't know if it's aggressive or not, but like for me, maybe aggressive is not the word, but, um, intentional or, you know, you have to be ready to, I gotta make some moves here. Like I gotta yeah. be, my brain has to be working. I have to be ready to strip or ready to move or ready to kind of, Oh, I'm going to start waiting around that rock because he's going to the rocker. Uh, and I feel like when I don't, especially in these rivers around here, when I don't kind of change my mindset a little bit and just say, all right, man, get, get a move on, get doing what you need to do here. Uh, the fish now he owns the fight. Like he's like, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy is, yeah. he's, I'm just going to do what I want.
1: Absolutely. I, uh, statistically, um, of the fish that I drop, and it, it's crazy. It's like, um, I, I feel like I remember more of the fish I don't catch. Yeah. Than the ones I do. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 Those heartbreaks. But, um, I'd say most of the time, most of the time, with exception to some, some salmon endeavors, um, I usually drop the fish because I'm playing them too passive. And yeah, when I, uh, When I really get after it and, and, and sometimes what I have to do is I have to just, you know, realize, okay, look, I, I got, you know, I got the rod that could handle the bend. Yes. It can handle the hitch. hitch 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 hitch. I can trust my tippet. Trust it. Yeah. I can trust my equipment. I got a good hook set, play the fish.
0: Because if you don't have a good hook set, you're you're in trouble anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, if it, if yeah, it's that, yeah, if that's you, the yeah. reason, then you're so you might as well assume I've got a good hook set because it doesn't really change anything.
1: Yeah, and I and and there's been times I've caught big fish on light tippet, and I'm like, I gotta be real gentle, and yeah. and what happens is the the fly doesn't break, it just that fish is just working me over over. Yeah. I'm just rope doping and there's a point where it finds that ability to just drop the hook. Sure. So, I'd say that, you know, there's a point where. And then and and then the last thing too is um is don't be too premature to to pull your net. Like wait um I know a lot of times cuz is um honestly when I when I'm with kids, with I'm students, you know, like I, sometimes, I mean, I, I build them up to netting fish, you know, netting my fish, but sometimes like, you know, it's, it's a heartbreak, right? When you get a good fish and and, and they (laughs) they they miss
0: the net. Oh Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) My son, he, he runs and grabs a net and then, then it's a, we're laughing trying to get the fish in the net.
1: Yeah. So, uh, especially I'm fishing by myself, you know, there's that point where you're getting close. You're only about halfway through the fight and you pull the net out and then you got this net tucked under your arm and you're, you know, you're, you know, just the, just, just wait, you know, when that fish is ready to come up, just you're there, pull your net, bring the head up. And that's, that's, that's the other thing too, is there's a, there's a point where before you net the fish, you should be able to just pull and bring that head up. And it's just a half a second, and that's that's the timing to scoop it. Um, I think that's just as important playing the fish as the is that final stage bringing the head up, especially when you're fishing with a partner. or You have a net man, and you, <laughs> you start to build that that confidence in, the, in each other. And and it's almost like we're fishing together. It's like you I, you know you 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 understand a confidence that I'm not going to force. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna basically net it when you're ready for me to net it yeah and and you're and it's not anything you're speaking it's i can see your body language you're you're playing the fish side pressure but there's a point where you're like i'm gonna bring the head up and then i get to fish it's so fun we should be fishing right now
0: i know all good things i mean <laughs> we've been talking for an hour and 25 minutes and i still have so much i want to talk to you but i i think we have to start wrapping it up okay um, well, before we, we, you know, wrap it up, let's, let's let people know where they can find you, how they can, uh, learn more about what you're doing, schedule a guided trip, that type of stuff, uh, and whatever else you have that you want to talk about that you haven't mentioned that you're excited about with It Out.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, social media, I like Instagram, you know, so, uh, It Out is, uh, is my tag there. And, um, I am on Facebook as well. Um, and, uh, and I do have a website, troutedout.com.
0: Okay. Well, we will link to all that in the show notes.
1: Yeah. I got phone numbers on there. Um, you can text, you call. I, 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 I like the phone. I'd rather, I'd rather talk on the phone a lot of times, you know, it's uh. so don't, um, you know, if someone get a hold of me. Don't hesitate to call.
0: All right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I don't want this conversation to end. I mean, I, I do, we need to go fishing. I need to come out yeah. there and, uh, yes. uh, that'll be something in the works. That'll be one of the things that I'm excited about in the future of wait out there is doing more trips and visiting people and stuff. But, yeah. And then being able to write and talk about it and be more creative in that sense. But I want to wrap it up a little bit with where we started with seasons and the seasons of life and, that we go through as fly fishermen and women, right? There's ups and downs, not just where we're catching fish or not catching fish, but also where we're going and we're not going. And I think a lot of listeners are in seasons of their life where maybe they can't go all the time because they've got work and family. And, you know, like when I was in the military, I was living in places that and in, in, in working, you know, I just worked a ton. I worked a ton when I was yeah. in there. I mean, just 12-hour day minimum. And so the, people are, have these lives, and but at the same time, like we also talked about in the beginning, the experience of being on the water is so special. I mean, wh- why do you think fly fishing stays with some of us uh, throughout these seasons of our lives? Why is it that it stays on our mind we listen to the podcast, we tie flies in the winter. Like what, what is it that has kept it in your life through these seasons for you? And why do you think that that is so important?
1: I think what it does is it just triggers just some basic things that we, we need in life. Um, you know, it, it gives us one, that opportunity to look forward to something, right? Life, life is hard. Um, there's a lot of joy, uh, but there's also a lot of disappointments. And, you know, whether you're on the water or you're looking forward to being on the water or getting away with a friend or even if you can't get on the water, but you could sit at the vice and, and start to prep and you kind of look forward to that. It's just, um, you know, it uh, it really helps with just the grind of life. And um, I, I tell you, I, I love fishing by myself, but I love calling a friend and telling him all about it after that. I don't, yeah. I don't get it, but, um, it's just, it's just something that, you know, I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that is kind of meant to be shared and you could do it in all different seasons. You know, it's like, um, you know, there's times where I do just like being with a handful of guys and laughing and hooting and, you know, and, and, but then there's times where I just, you know, I just, it's just, you know, I've been thronged by people all week and I just, I just need to be alone, you know? And I think it's just, it gives us so much of that variety and it can be so specific. I know that I I am, I live a life where I'm, Really, it's like I live by a calendar. It's like always event to event, or you know, scheduling appointments. Or I need to be here, need to be there, and um, and fly fishing gives me that structure. Like I know I still have, I can't escape that. I can't escape those rules of time, right, and the demands of life on us, right. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and uh, whether an employee or a father or whatever it is, but. When I get on the stream, it's like, I can, I can just do what I want. If I want to be methodical and I need to do this and that and swing now and I need, I can do that. But if I want to, you know, I just don't feel like going down there, you know, Um, it it was great. Just the other day, I, I, uh, I came across just two friends and, and you know, and I think they were surprised that I was in this one spot, and it was already like three or four hours appealed peeled by. And I was like, man, I just don't feel like walking today. I'm just going to camp out here and run everything through my, you know, run everything through the fly, you know, my whole box. And and um, and I think it's just that that um, the freedom, kind of the freedom. And I think there's also uh, there's something special about the uh, the disappointment. And then the overcoming.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Steve, and I appreciate you being on the show again. And I really am grateful for kind of some of the insights that you shared with me about fly fishing in general. I always learn a ton anytime that I'm uh, talking with you. And I know a lot of people today learned a a bunch of stuff as well. And I appreciate your teacher's heart that you get to share with people at It Out and yeah, I'm really grateful for the reflection you've given me on the seasons of my life and, and how I can now see that in fly fishing and how they both go back and forth. And I've really enjoyed talking about that with you today.
1: Well, Jason, I appreciate it. I've uh, become a, uh, a big fan of your podcast. It's a couple years down the road now, and, uh, and I think I've consumed almost all your podcasts. And uh, you're easy to listen to, and uh, I've learned a handful of things from you, too.
0: Thanks for listening to the Wade Out There Fly Fishing podcast. You can learn more about some of the topics we discussed in today's episode show notes. For more fly fishing ideas, stories, and artwork, check out my blog and online gallery at wadeoutthere.com. If you want to make Wade Out There a part of your own fly fishing journey, please subscribe and share. Until next time, Wade Out There.